What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 5, Second Skin. I'm excited to talk about it. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Keith. I uh, averted near disaster mere moments ago as I... Oh, no. I couldn't find my contact. It dropped out of my eye, and then I put the new contact in, and I was afraid that, oh, is the old contact behind my eye? And this is... So I tried contacts when I was like 16 years old, and I couldn't really get them in my eye. It takes a little bit of practice. So I had just, I quit on it for like uh, 20 years <laughs> until like my mid-30s, uh -huh. and I was at an audition, and I didn't want to wear my glasses to the audition, so I was just like free-balling it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, and... I had the choreographer, who was a really nice guy, Danny something or other, pull me aside. Oh, right. I, love I think story. I've told it. Yeah, and he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, like, do you wear glasses usually? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, so are you, do you have your contacts in? I said, no. He goes, well, you have a lazy eye. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> I'm like busting my hump trying to, to, to win this job, and my eye's like, Mrr. so I went back to contacts. Oh, Jen is vacuuming. Oh, wow. nice. We, gotta, we have to talk about podcasting and what. <laughs> Maybe you know what? That's my story. Anyway, I'm good, Keith. Thanks for asking. Why don't you talk? <laughs> Why don't I talk? Yes. Well, that you know, look, futzing with various things is uh, is what we do. Uh, I've never done contacts. I, I mean, I certainly could. It's just I I don't like the idea of mucking with your eye, and it seems like an extra step. I don't care. And, uh, you know, frankly, I like that my glasses cover up part of my face. Um, maybe I should talk to my therapist about that, but, you know, just one of those things. Uh, but uh, anyway, second skin today. and uh, Second before, podcast, really? Second podcast, yeah, that's right. So uh, we are re actually recording this only a few days after we recorded uh, Equilibrium. So uh, last week's viewer ratings will be shorter because... Uh, you basically had to get it in within 24 hours in order to get on this episode, but maybe we'll do an update next week um, with more ratings yeah, for sense. Equilibrium. But Keith, should we explain why? Why are we recording early? For second, of, for, wait, before we do that, I want to mention, mm -hmm. if you hear a slow drone in the background, that is because we mm. have, we are, we are, we are, for the immersion, Keith, since we're on Deep Space we're Nine. We're on Deep Space Nine, obviously. We have to have slight ambient noise in the background. Hopefully it's uh, it's audible. Who knows? I don't know. I can't hear it. But, you know, I, I already know I'm on Deep Space Nine, so I don't need to sort of explain that. Uh, you want to know who else is on Deep Space Nine with us? Who's that? It is our patrons who are supporting the show at patreon.com slash K and M spell out that and with people who are supportally supportally are supporting the show and getting all sorts of bonus material for it for whom we are tremendously grateful. Uh, Mike, eh, who's who's doing it? You know, Keith, I've, I've discovered that I I feel like we aren't giving these people enough hype when we read it off. So mm. this will work on my side because the timing works for me, but probably not for you. I just need you to give me a beatbox, Keith, and trust that all is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a sentence I've never said before. <laughs> uh, need I remind you I'm a 42-year-old dude from Vermont? Keith, just, let's just go, let's roll the dice, huh, bud? All right. <laughs> We'd like to thank this week and every week our patrons, Brian Kaufman, KC Clark, with three pips, it's brand, Joshua, down to two pips, we've got Andrew Hayes, Jorge, 
and the mysterious Wharf's boot shivs, Richard C., and the big Charles Babbage. Don't forget CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich, Grim Toys and Delusions at Noon. Now, don't forget JD Makes, and Colin is here with Chris CRM and Pat. <laughs> Mike, I have never beatboxed a beat in my entire life. <laughs> that was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I expected it to be bad. What were your expectations? Well, you what know, did you think I was going to be able to do? And it, it is only in the spirit of yes and yeah, well, that I would a, even there, participate in there's that. There's a podcast I listen to, and there's a, they have a... They have a tier on their patron. They have so many patrons. They have a tier called the Hype Train. So they do, mm-hmm. they have they drop this huge beat that's like royalty free, and they rap over it, and it's so cool. And I was like, oh, we should do that. And then uh, my brain was like, don't do that. So I figured we'd do it. Yeah, well, that naturally. This well, uh, you know, when's the last time you saw the Fugitive? I think that was the our Hype Train. Yeah. Well. If you wanted so, to see two white guys beatbox and rap the patrons, you got to see it today, folks. Yeah, yeah, wow. See, I was so paranoid and about my own beatboxing, I wasn't really listening to what you were doing. So this might be an episode I 100% will listen well, to. Trust me when I've I say gotta uh, hear you fared better than I did. Spitting rhymes. I'm very excited about that. My goodness. I'm so sorry to all yeah, of our too. patrons. Uh, and y- you know who else? Another way you can support the show is you can leave us a tip right here on the YouTube. It's called a, a super thanks or something. Super chat. It's like there's stickers super, and stuff. Super something. Know. But uh, you can join our good friend, Worf's Bootships, and, uh, you know, just throw a little tip at the show. We very much appreciate it. It makes it uh, definitely more possible to put this nonsense on your screen. All right, Mike, I think it is time we start talking about this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Let's we do have it. wasted so much of everyone's time, uh, but it is now time to talk about Deep Space Nine Season 3, Episode 5, Second Skin, which aired on October 24th, 1994, on a Monday. The top song continued to be I'll Make Love to You. You've heard him rap. Now let's hear him croon. I woke up today in another place, looked into the mirror, had another face. I'm a different race than I expected to be, but it turns out my dad isn't as mean or as evil as I thought that he would be. Okay. Well, you know, it's I, a. I did a lot of the same rhyme back and forth, but you know, I, no, I, desperate you, times. I, I was hoping going to go Cardassian face, but it, it, it's fine. It's all right. No notes. No notes. Okay. Uh, the top movie continues. That's good because be... I didn't actually sing any notes. <laughs> a lot of semitone in there. <laughs> no notes, all nodes. Yeah. So uh, the top movie continued to be Pulp Fiction in its hmm. second week of domination. Uh, but. We were staying home and watching television. Mike, what were we seeing on the boob tube? Oh, Keith, on that good old boob tube. My Philadelphia Eagles destroyed those then Houston Oilers Mm. 21 to 6 over on ABC. On Monday Night Football. Yep. Uh, Which I guess it's sort of back on ABC in some ways because Disney owns both. So it's ESPN. I think it's simulcast. No, it's not simulcast. 
Uh, we had uh, CBS was really firing. We had that nanny. We had that Dave's World Gone with the Wind Part Two of Two. Mike, we're gonna need another Dave's World impression because it was so good last Whoa! week. I'm still Dave. Uh, Mur- <laughs> Murphy Brown, Love and War, which was a new show to be. What is Love and War? What was that? Well, there's sort of antonyms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> What else did we have? Anything fun? Not really. No. Uh, who who was hosting Saturday Night Live that weekend? Keith, you'll never guess. Uh, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Who was he gone already? I guess he was. Who this week set the internet ablaze? Do you know that he made an offhanded comment that maybe they would he'd be interested in reviving Wayne's World for a new Wayne's World with Mike Myers, and everybody went crazy, but. There's no confirmation of that. They, he just said he'd be open to it, which really isn't. I mean, we are open to. I'm open a, to a lot of things. <laughs> uh, my, my arms wide open. <laughs> I will play Wayne's World. Wow. I just need a job. Dear viewer, dear listener, when you started this episode, you didn't think you're going to get a creed, a hard creed reference from <laughs> Keith Varney. But hey. <laughs> You never know what you're going to see here on uh, Keith and Mike Entertainment. Oh, well, there you go. All right, well, enough shenanigans. Let's get into the hard-hitting news of the Weekly World News. And guess what? The Bible predicts the worst winter ever. Prophecies are telling of terrifying ice storms that will kill thousands in the U.S. Uh, They were one year too late because one of the memorable things of my childhood was the blizzard of 93. Well, each individual blade of, of grass had ice on it. I remember that one, too. Yeah, well, the, well, you got ice. We got snow. We got almost 40 inches overnight. Ooh. And uh, and it blew around. We looked out the window, and the cars were gone. Sheesh. Like, they, they were like, there are barely even lumps under the snow. So, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was quite the thing, because it took us... Uh, Took 12 hours of shoveling just to shovel the driveway enough to plow. Wow, that's Craziness. crazy, man. Yeah, well, it was at, you know, Vermont. It, it, well, <laughs> in the 90s, before global warming made Vermont feel like Virginia and Virginia feel like Florida. All right, so. Well, at least they had the dignity to put the Bible right side up. That <laughs> It's the going to be the greatest winter. A totally Bible. I'm so Bible. Don't worry about it. All right. So uh, let's do... The Trouble with Bibbles. The Bibble. A Bibble. A Bibble, the best Bibble. It's the most amazing Bibble. Let's do some trivial trivia. Now Keith, waste your time with trivial trivia. Okay. Just a couple things this week. Uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf, who wrote this episode... Oh, I didn't, oh, shoot, I didn't uh, introduce the director and writer. So the director of this is Les Lando, who last directed House of Cork, and it was written by Robert Hewitt Wolf, who last wrote On the Wire. And Robert Hewitt Wolf's original idea on this episode is crazy, but fascinating. And that is, his idea was to have O'Brien hmm. be a secret, even to himself, Cardassian spy. And have having been so for more than 20 years and actually be a Cardassian spy that he didn't know. And which means in this version, the O'Brien that we have known since the pilot of the next generation had been a Cardassian the entire time. 
which uh, is crazy. It's crazy, and, and and some would say untenable, which is why probably they went and made changes well, to the whole plot line of this. But I was my, thinking, yes, I was thinking, because I was like, wow, how would that? I mean, it's interesting. It would be really interesting implications for future dynamics on the show, right? Sure. But didn't just last week, Keith, we discover that all of this time, a if not serial killer, then just a murderous being has been mm-hmm. part and parcel to one of our crewmates? Yeah. And doesn't Look, that we, influence going forward how she will be respond and behave? And Possibly. Possibly. So it's not... It's not completely uncanny. The darkness is within us all, Mike. It's mm. all inside of us. Uh, but the I true don't know friends if you... are the are the people we murdered along the way. That's true. That's true. Uh, now, do you? I, I don't. I don't know if you've read this story, but do you know what the stopping block on this actually was? I didn't actually because because <laughs> you're not allowed. No, no. This is great because so. CEO Jen, so generally like a week or two Chancellor after. Jen. Chancellor Jen. Chancellor Jen. I kind of like, I, I I do a quick summary of the guy just to kind of keep up. Because I, I bought the thing. I want to read some of it. Uh, but I, Jen had read something she said was a spoiler in, in Catching Up. Because she doesn't read the comments and like get the updates from Delusions at Noon. So I hid it from her. And ah! last night... Uh, so not only am I putting the remote in the fridge and the skinny pop in the fridge, as I mm-hmm. mentioned last week, but I'm forgetting where I put things or where I hid things from Jen. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure where it is, Keith. Uh-huh. <laughs> I might that, need wow. to borrow the one I gave you. You're, you're kind of like, you know, the Easter bunny who put a bunch of eggs around the house and has no idea where yeah, they are. like, I up. hope you find them. Because otherwise we're going to. Yeah, wow. Well, good. So now this is a great. All right. So so you tell me, Mike, Use put on your thinking cap. Okay, it's on. And tell me why they had to bail on this idea mm-hmm. that O'Brien was a Cardassian the whole time. I mean, I could probably something the Federation, like and Deep Space Nine, and like they or and and Enterprise. I guess they're pro- well, but but what would be impossible if that were true that we know to be true on the show? Oh, he had a baby. Had a human baby. That's exactly right. Mm. Uh, also, that would have overlapped pretty severely with his trial on Cardassia, where we found out that oh, Boone. Right. They tried to use him as a, as a, yep, you're right. Look at so, that, Keith. Because Boone was was what they were describing, although he knew about it. Um, I, and it, I don't think it would have made sense to have that happen after Tribunal, because Tribunal would have had to have been a part of that right right because if they would have known he was a spy the whole time um so really cool idea and it was something he developed for next gen um which they sort of half did mm-hmm. um with uh with troy but uh anyway so that that's why we ended up here and i think this is a much more successful version of it so uh so it became of course kira and the makeup was hor- was so horrible that uh, Nana Visitor, who had to get in the chair at 1.30 a.m. to then do a 20-hour day of shooting, and she suffers from claustrophobia. So it was really freaking her out. You'd that think a- she'd have every excuse to have phoned it in, right? She certainly would have, but that's, that's, that is not Nana Visitor. She phones in nothing. The footage of the Cobarian disguise... 
when uh, when they put on the zoom filter to turn uh, to turn Cisco into a kitty or whatever it is or the pirate hat. Remember that? Oh right, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 gets uh he gets zoomed into a Cobarian disguise, which of course at that point was like unbelievably crazy to imagine, and now all of our phones can do it. It's crazy. Uh, but they actually borrowed that footage from Duet um, because we had a little scene with a Cobarian captain, so they just had every Brooks lip sync over the footage they'd already had in the camp. So they uh, saved themselves some money, and that poor guy from five hours putting on that makeup. So uh, here we go to what was Voyager doing? Uh, JD points out they were probably filming at this point. Um, probably work, working on the pilot. So uh, busy times over there. Lots of stories from that. But we'll get to all of that when we do our Voyager version of this in two years. And uh, so you already mentioned uh, in, in football world, the Eagles beat the Oilers behind Randall Cunningham's 310 yards and two touchdowns. And the Giants lost a snoozer to the Steelers 10 to 6. Our guest stars this week include Andrew Robinson back as Garrick always always welcome. We have Gregory Sierra as Entech, Tony Poppenfuss as Yeln. No, and is that his name? Yes. Okay. It could be Poppenfuss. Mm. Or or maybe the fuss is silent. It could be Papen. Who maybe knows? It's French Poppenfou. Poppenfou. <laughs> Or maybe the poppin' is silent. It's just foo. I like foo. <laughs> All right. Well, we've definitely offended poor Tony. Uh, so, uh, and Cindy Katz as Yatepa and Lawrence Pressman as Gamor, um, who will also play another character later on Deep Space Nine. And Mike, did you know he played two separate characters on The Practice? I, I am not shocked to learn this. So uh, there you are, lots of overlap. And we one of the things that we did on the Out of Practice podcast, where we did basically this about uh, David E. Kelly's The Practice, is every time an actor had previously appeared on Star Trek, we pointed it out, of which there were many. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Yes. So uh, what do you say? We uh, you hop into that screening room. Keith, I thought you'd never ask. Or ask about 17 minutes into the episode, like I do every week. Okay. All right. Let us begin the episode in our teaser, where Dax is sadly drinking that mug that everyone's dad had in the 90s. We just Quark, got one as a gift, and we pimped it on, uh, and Mike and Jen watched Deep Space Nine, uh, Michael Cole Pottery. You should uh, all check it out oh. if you want one. Oh, okay. Like, we definitely had one of those. And this, honestly, of all the things that I've seen on Star Trek, that mug pulled me out more because, like, we have one of those. That's not a space mug. No, but the, apparently the design is to keep it hot. That's the whole point. I thought the design was to keep it from uh, flipping over while you're driving in the car. No, no, no. This, you want to keep your Rocktachino hot, Keith. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, it's clearly not hot for poor Dax because uh, she's been stood up. By Kira, who apparently hates the Hollow Sweets, yet still agreed to grow 
to go. Uh, she's late and only sort of willing to go. Uh, so Armin, once again, is was five hours of makeup worth that little scene? I know he heard uh, Nana complaining about his the makeup, and he was like, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, some, I've got a little violin somewhere I can play for you. <laughs> but uh, as it turns out, Kira does not have to go on the date with Dax because she gets a call from Bajor. And in the shot of the screen on the zoom there, we can see the advantage of the large plastic border around the screen or glass because you can see both Kira and Dax in the reflection with the video in the center. That is a fantastic camera setup. Awesome. They got they were doing ray tracing before and video was, was doing ray tracing. Exactly. I mean, such a good shot. And, and I don't know, very creative, very cool. And I now see why they have that border around the... Uh, yeah, they did. They, they, they flipped back to it a couple of times, too, because they were like, oh, it's so cool. The reflections are awesome. We all know it. Oh, super cool. And, like, you know, it's it's such a feather in the cap for the DP because, like, you can see them but not the camera and the crew with the break in the set. Of course, the resolution of the person on the screen is, uh, like, eight pixels. But, you know, whatever. Don't forget this. She's playing on VHS, Mike. <laughs> She's playing on VHS. <laughs> Betamax. The, yeah, right? It was actually, um, they worked with the SVHS, the Super VHS. That's right. You were saying your uncle would like mail them back and forth in snail mail? Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah, he was still in Los Angeles at this point, but in a couple of years, he would move to Vermont. And so they would f- overnight FedEx the SVHS tapes back and forth to Paramount in Los Angeles. And like, that was the thing. Like the show, if that, if that like got lost in the mail or whatever, like they can't air because those things happen right at the last yeah, second. So, so awesome. Whew, I well, can't, it, and, it, in the TV guide, it lists a new episode, but they're running an air, they're rerunning a, a, a previous episode. Well, mail. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the FedEx, I mean, I'm sure that was like insured up the wazoo and, and, and all of that, but also like a physical thing and a, and a cassette. It's, it's craziness how these things got produced back then. You know, it was only a couple of years later that they were able to start doing it online. They didn't have Dropbox at that point, but they could dial into the Paramount server. What also like is kind of crazy to way. me, and I'd love to talk to him sometime uh, just about random stuff. He won't stuff. remember. Or your brother then. We've teased that. Yeah. Uh, because like some of these exports of these videos, like a one a 90-minute podcast, is like 70 gigs of information. You know what I mean? What 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 how many more bits do we get than they were able to have in like original television oh, episodes tons so many tons bits. more but but it wasn't you know it wasn't about bits then it was all analog yeah so um there was almost you know the 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 uh, so they the were mixing audio. on like an on an analog desk uh no they were creating it analog using um a synthesizer um a synclavier mm-hmm and then at least, I don't know if it was at this point or a little bit later, it was then they, they manipulated it in Pro Tools. So were and they so, mixed down to like a 5.1 Dolby channel or is it always just stereo? Stereo. Just stereo. The fi- the, the, they didn't go to six channel until uh, the movies. The movies. Right? Yeah. the movies they did. But yeah, no, at this point it was just like right and left uh, craziness. Anyway, uh, we're never going to finish this episode. Uh, so the lady calls him Ben from, from Bajor, and she's a historian working on a study about the Elmsburg Detention Center and wants to ask Kira some questions. And Kira's like, I was never there. 
The lady says the Cardassian records say that Kira Norris was there for a week, and she shows a photo of Kira, but she has no memory of it. We pan up at the end to an alien lady watching from above while mysterious music plays. This is where I got to give Jen two bullet points. I said, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Here's how I can tell a bad guy on Deep Space Nine. One, you bump into them on the promenade. Mm -hmm. Two, they stare ominously at you from that spot Mm -hmm. on the upper promenade. Exactly that spot. Yeah. Yep. Those are the only two ways to identify baddies. Well, we we have the Jake and Nog pervet ladies spot on the second level. Mm -hmm. And then we have the bad guys like hunting our heroes spot. If there was a set tour, they'd have little plaques in each of those areas. (laughs) Uh, I I mean. Perv zone. Perv zone. And baddie zone. (laughs) And baddie zone. I like it. I like it. I think I could probably have both of them on my desk. So in act one, Odo and Kira discuss in his office. He says, either the records or your memory are wrong. Kira says, I know exactly where I was that week. I was in the Decor Hills in the winter hiding in caves. She says, the records are a fake. Odo says, well, in the records, you shared a cell with three inmates. So uh, Kira zooms Daryl, not his other brother Daryl, and he recognizes Kira right away and remembers her being there. Mike, do you remember... Uh, I'm Daryl. That's my other brother, Daryl. Yeah, it was like from S- Newhart. Newhart, right? Yeah, but they were based on characters. I think they played on CCTV. I, I probably. Well, that's one of them. That's that's the first Daryl. Oh, it is for real. Yes, it is for real. That's why I made the reference. Oh, that's funny. I thought. Uh, yeah, I honestly thought you were making a really bad dated reference, <laughs> which is on brand. So it's a hundred percent like yeah. I, I, I clearly could be having a seizure. Like who knows? I could just. I know we anything. opened with Creed. And with arms wide open, and I believe... My brain wide open! What did I reference? Oh, Wayne's World. So, you know, we're we're knocking it out of the park. Don't forget we rapped. (laughs) Maybe they got snip-snipped. No, that was our patron, thanks. We we can't sniff it. No, it has to live there. Awesome. On the internet. Cool. Forever. So cool. So, Daryl recognizes Kira right away. Keith, I'm doing an, an interview for work after this, mm-hmm. and I can't wait. But they don't know when I'm going to be running this interview is what I was doing 45 minutes before, which is rapping on the internet. Oh, but they will because I'm going to send them the clip. Our life is so weird. We're so weird. Uh, anyway, he remembers her being there. So later, Kira talks about it with Cisco as she heads off to Bajor to investigate. And as she walks to the airlock, we see that she is being followed by the weird alien lady. So this must be a real big baddie, Keith, because she was in the perv zone and she was in the bump zone. We'll clearly see her again. We will. We will. She's kind of cute. I'm I'm on board. Do we see this person again in the episode? Yeah, we do. Oh. I I didn't. (laughs) You know what you did detect, Mike? What's that? Founder's goo. Oh, that, yes. Yes. For those of you who don't pay specific attention during our episodes, uh, at one point I noticed Keith had markings in his pad, data pad, mm-hmm. and I it was the episode where we met the founders, and I said, well, fill my thing with goo. And Keith did yeah. it in real time on the air. That's right. And he just added uh, a labeling I, to tell the story. Yeah, well, the, the, the pad is working. Yes. They detected some founders goo. Yeah. There it is. It's totally what that is. <laughs> it, actually, it is. 
It legitimately, yeah. Uh, I, just... I pulled it. See, I, I I pulled it from the from a screenshot. He is a completionist and a historian himself. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, where are we? Okay, so in the replimat, Bashir goes to have lunch with Garrick, who is complaining that he had to close up his shop because of the threat of the Dominion attack, and it has made folks less fashion conscious. Um, again, salt. Little salt in the story here to remind us of the stakes that are happening behind the scenes. He also mentions that he's sad because he misses traveling and has only left the station once in the last three years uh, when he went on his excursion with with uh, Bashir to Bajor in uh, the episode the Card- no, no, Cardassians, I think Cardassians. Uh, anyway, to look at the Bajoran war orphans. Uh, but he says, I can't leave because it's dangerous and mysterious, as always. Keith, you were totally right about the resizing. The screenshots look great again. See? Yeah. Told you. Later on Ops, the Bajoran lady that called Kira calls Cisco and says, Kira is missing. Then the lady we saw follow following Kira tells someone to wake up. And it's Kira! She's on Cardassia, and she's a Cardassian. And the camera pulls in too fast and makes it look cheesy. But that's okay. We're gonna yeah, that was it. weird, but we get it. But there's that lady. She's right there. She's the one who tells tells Kira to wake up. So in Act Two, we have all right. So you and Jen, you're watching this. Kira's a Cardassian. Any any immediate theories? Uh, no. We, we talked about the makeup and also the quick zoom, and there was a lot of... Jen does great reactions. She's the person in the movie theater you don't want to sit behind, because she's she goes, oh! <laughs> Which is what I think she did here, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. I, you know what I think we're going to need, right? Is we're going to need some, like, clips of, yeah. of Jen's reactions to play when we get to that moment in the... I've thought about doing that, but I just, you know, it's enough to even have to just, like get her thoughts at the end. But I will say that uh, it's become a running gag now ever since last week that now I asked her this week what uh, Kira as a Kardashian Kardashian, uh, sounds like when she farts. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. So maybe I have to start including that in the the recap. We need like a fart compilation. (laughs) It's starting. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. This one was a little more profound. Was it? Yeah, I mean, I guess they don't, Kardashians aren't embarrassed, so. Okay. No, they they have an open fart policy. Okay. So, uh, in Act 2, Cardassian Kira is not having it. A Cardassian there says, you're one of us. He explains that Kira is a long-term Cardassian operative, surgically altered to appear Bajoran, and had her memory erased to think that she is Kira. He explains that he was her trainer in the Obsidian Order, and that she's been undercover for 10 years. And what they did was they replaced the real Kira with her to infiltrate the resistance. Uh, so so here's so that's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira says this is just another Cardassian plan scheme. But the man explains that uh, this is actually the room you grew up in. Kira is still not buying it, so he pulls out a recording of a statement she made from before the operation began. Except it's uh, a butt tube, Keith. There's only one way to play it. You're not going to like it. It's a butt tube? 
Where, how, where, where, how did your mind go straight to butt tube? Well, Jen had had a glass of wine, and I had had, like, something else. And so we were a little giddy. So it became the funny <laughs> thing, because she wouldn't watch it, clearly. Right? So I was like, it must be... You know, it's the whole episode. She, they tease it. She will not watch this thing, and I was like, "Oh, it's because." And I just made the joke that I just made now that, "Oh, it's a it's a butt tube. It's a video." So in order to watch it, she has to. It's like a suppository flash drive. It, precisely that. It's not a thumb drive, Keith. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I would appreciate if you would refer to it as the butt tube from henceforward. Okay. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so back on Deep Space Nine, Odo, Cisco, and Dax investigate the disappearance, but to not much avail, though Dax says the technobabble could have been evidence of her being killed. Odo mentions a Cardassian road on Bajor, which is a, I thought was a great little detail, because of course they would be building roads during the occupation, and so as frequently happens in this case like you have this thing that you are using every day but it's kind of like a scar Mm. on your city but also you need the road and so it it becomes integrated into this you know this i remember um being in italy and all of the sort of buildings and monuments to fascism and and my my aunt who was there is like you know that's a big ugly fascist whatever um it, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting, but you these things remain even after uh, the occupation is done. So back on Cardassia, Kira discovers a force field trapping her in when the doorbell rings and her handler Entek enters with a Cardassian main man claiming to be her father, by the name of Legate Gamar. Gamar seems like a decent guy and claims to love his daughter, and we head out of the of the uh, head to the commercial while Kira puts her boots on the fainting couch which I'm I'm confused as to why Cardassians have fainting couches but definitely you know a a, a power move for Kira to put her boots on the couch yeah it's not allowed all of her like her posture in the next scene when we go back is is a power move is a good way to describe it because otherwise it's just like way too casual so I like her she rec- she well, probably expects to be tortured or something, so she's like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's true, and it, it's also I think that they mentioned it in the in the the, the guide there that uh, Nana changes her whole posture on purpose, <coughs> as opposed to sort of the straight backed military feel to more a posture that is is more wrapped up in captivity. Mm. So she's she's curling herself up to sort of protect herself instinctually. I don't think it's a it's necessarily something that Kira is doing on purpose. I think it's just an instinctual reaction to being in captivity. So uh, in Act 3, in the infirmary, Bashir pokes at random stuff for a suspiciously long time closing up shop when Garrick shows up with news about Kira. On Cardassia... Kira searches for the Obsidian Order surveillance devices. By the way, Gam- let's not let's not bury the fact that Obsidian Order is an incredibly cool bad guy name. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, uh, it's it's definitely evocative. It's fun to say. Mm-hmm. It's scary. That you know, I I think I mentioned in a previous episode about the Obsidian Order that is the name of one of my fantasy football teams. Awesome. So uh, so there it is. Uh, really cool for me 
I was uh, scrolling through Reddit on a to look up something completely not related to this, like other stuff, and somebody uh, who was linking to I was trying to find a piece of software for something. They were linking to uh, on their Google Drive. Long story short, their, their new their username was at the Jemhadar, and I was like, <laughs> I know what that means. It's, so that's where you got your butt tube from. Yes. Yeah. The black yeah, okay. market. That's where I, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want black market goods, you need to go that's to the Jemhadar. probably more brown market, but depends on what you ate. <laughs> Terrible. We're children. We the are. Off obsidian order. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, where the heck were we? Okay. So. Uh, Dad's like, here's where it is. She searches for the devices, and uh, Gamar comes in and, sa- and tells her where it is and says, don't worry, they're off. I'm a member of the Central Command, so they're only on when I want them to be on. Uh, he's a big mucky muck. He so brings her- the hierarchy is important here for me. So yes. Central Command is above Obsidian Order, or they're sort of like a special team's offshoot? No, the Central Command is the government- and the Obsidian Order is like the CIA. Okay. So technically they're above, but they can work independent at times. They're they're at they're at odds. Um, so uh, and you know I I think that there's an argument to be made. The Obsidian Order might be even more powerful, but not but nominally not at the top. The, of the makeup pyramid. in this episode is absolutely incredible. Not only the prosthetic, but like look at the shading and the paint and the like yeah. actual that's like incredible. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Actually, go go back to where you see her under the table. Uh next one there. Look at that set design too. Yeah, really cool. And the framing I mean, of the shot. And, uh, you know, and that's clearly that rug there they just found on Wayfair, but mm-hmm. it looks great. Yeah, but the, the piece of furniture above it is super cool and artistic. It's all super. Yeah. I mean, the set design continues to be amazing. There are no regular walls mm-hmm. ever. The geometry is very fluid. It's cool. Um, so uh, anyway, so he brings her some breakfast and even makes her Bajoran food to make her more comfortable. He points out that a, uh, a sculpture that his daughter made and claims that she must have been, should have been an artist, but she wanted to join the Obsidian Order. Uh, if we remember, though, we know that Kira has no artistic talent whatsoever. Uh, we have learned already, uh, but this other person clearly did. But he points out, uh, Gamora points out, that, the Car- that Cardassia needs more artists. And he is clearly the liberal legate. And Kira continues to have none of it. Gamar says he regrets having let her go on the mission. And Kira compliments them on the elaborate subterfuge, but still does not believe. Great shot there. The Again, we talk about every week, but the light fixtures built into everything. So cool. And I think they gave us the exposition here that by now or any moment now, her memory should start coming back. I, right. And I almost, I kind of was buying in because I kept expecting kind of a horror scene because that was like they got Nana. Of course, having her start having these childhood memories of being in her room and stuff and having to deal with that would be awesome. Yeah. No, it definitely would. Uh so, uh, anyway, back on the station, Garrick and Sisko discuss the situation in Odo's office. 
He says that Kira is being held by the Obsidian Order, and Garrick knows this somehow. Sisko says the three of us are going to Cardassia to, for a rescue mission, and Garrick says, no way, I'm not allowed on Cardassia. Naturally, Sisko extorts Garrick by threatening to hand him over to the Cardassian government. And he freely admits, uh, that's what we're doing. Well, I'm extorting you. Uh, <laughs> With an incredible pregnant pause, though. Because Garrick's like, this is extortion. And Sisko thinks about it and goes, yes, it is. Yep. And this is second beat in two weeks where he's like, yep, yep, that's what I'm doing. This this is very much a differentiation from Picard. Because mm-hmm. Picard, you know, although Picard on Picard would be more likely to do it. But Picard on Next Gen uh, would never do something like this. Um, which is uh, which is fun, and uh, the other thing that happens in the scene is Garrick is like, you know, all right, we'll we'll go, but if anything goes wrong, I'm throwing you guys under the bus immediately. And Cisco's like, I think that's the first true thing you've ever said to me. And Garrick's like, how perceptive, uh, very cool. So uh, he says we're going to go undercover on the Defiant for the. Uh, Rescue mission, more delight from Avery Brooks doing his dance with Garrick. Back on Cardassia, Entik is annoyed that Kira still can't remember anything. He's going to have to start interrogating, even though she still doesn't remember. He's pretty threatening, and Daddy Gamar is protective of her. Later, the interrogation is going badly. Kira is flamboyantly lying on every question and Pretty hilariously so. Uh, doing exactly what you would imagine Kira to do. Uh, so that's that's fun. So Entik threatens to hurt her if she doesn't cooperate. And he decides to show Kira an exhibit to convince her that she is indeed an undercover agent. And it's the body of Kira? What did you think, Mike? Actually, I have some questions now thinking back to it. No, I was, okay. it's it's clearly, uh, cl- I'll say this, it's clearly they've established both possibilities. But yeah. they are playing it down the middle, which is really cool. And and we, so, and I think last week, like I mentioned earlier, did open the door to me that there's, it's possible that this is legit because at, cur- at currently I'm not seeing a lot of reasons why uh, it would be, it, it, there's more interesting narrative right now to me right. if it's real, right? Because how do we rescue her? Why would we rescue her? All kinds of stuff, right? Uh, the only thing that gave me pause and still gives me pause, and it's the, the pause it gives me is that why nobody has talked about this, is how short the period of time was between, boop, 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 hey, these records, we just discovered these records of you being in a prison camp that you didn't know about, and then you're kidnapped. It was very quick. Somebody should have put that together. Well, I mean, they they might have known that she was kidnapped in relation to those records, but we wouldn't know why. Yeah, true, true, true. We, like... Like, okay, so that records thing is a clue, but it, it doesn't really tell us much of anything about what's yeah. going on here. Yeah. How would you how would you even know? Uh, I have a wormhole about that. Set a different wormhole about that. We'll talk about it later. Um, but anyway, so the the evidence that they're stacking up here starts to feel kind of convincing. So in car in act four, 
Cardassian Kira still thinks it's a fake. Then, interestingly, Entek brings up a traumatic memory from her past and says, I know about this traumatic memory because we placed it in your head just like all your other memories. And we extracted it, we extracted what we could from the real Kira and invented the rest of it. Um, which I, th- I thought that part was one of the more particularly believable parts, you know, that made me believe this might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think you would have to assume they were able to extract that from Kira's memory and be able to use that as a as a tool f- to gain credibility. Yeah, with all this like memory, we've seen in many episodes now, memory wiping, memory implanting, mm-hmm. memory reading, memory hacking, all this kind of stuff. You'd think somebody, hopefully somebody like needs to invent like a memory VPN or something. <laughs> yeah. We need some memory yeah. security here. Because it, it's been a trope on Star Trek forever. Like, oh, just wipe the memory. No big deal. Uh, so it's, and it, it works when it needs to for the story and it doesn't work when it needs to work for the story. Um, but it is, it is interesting. Uh, so uh, he asks, actually, this is part of it. Is there anything I've said that isn't in the capabilities of the Obsidian Order? Besides, if I just wanted to extract information, there are much easier ways to do it than this elaborate ruse. Uh, which I think is a, another pretty convincing point that he's making there. Um, that they easily could, if they had the ability to take in memories and get rid of memories, like, why wouldn't they be able to just steal what they wanted to know from Kira that way? And he says, and I care about you. So please watch the butt tube USB because the order is not going to wait much longer. See what I did there? Mm, I did. Took I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Put you. it in there. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I appreciate it. So late that night, Kira breaks out of her window, but Gamar catches her. But he does it in a friendly way and reminds her that even if she got out, the order would catch her almost immediately. She says, look, if you want to help me, get me off the planet. And he, as the third person, to say, please watch the butt tube. So she finally does. And she sees a video of Cardassian and her backing up their story. Um, which is you know, again, it's it's good. I like the details with the longer hair, the shorter hair, the adaptation there. Like it all adds to the credibility that this is. So a is this a deep old... fake, or did they convince prisoner her? Did this really happen? They just it was the they, so the so CIA agent Kira is out mm. there somewhere. So there's a third. Well, well, not a yeah. Third. That, that's that's a well the uh, a second. Yes. Yeah, so it's, I, I think it's really interesting. Like, that's a good question. I imagine this would have had to have been a deep fake because the idea here is that Gamar's daughter did do this for real. She's out there for real, or maybe she was killed. We don't know. Um, but that she looked like Kira, not that she was identical to Kira. Mm-hmm. So... I don't, you know, maybe she did do this video, probably did, and maybe they deep faked it to make it a li- to make it a, look a little bit more like Kira, or just sort of fill in the blank. It just there. seems weird to me that. Well, I guess they do. I was going to say, I guess it's not a wormhole. But let's address it now, because I was going to say it's weird that with all the technology and the ability, uh, capabilities of the Obsidian Order, clearly, 
why don't they just have, why can't they just flick a switch and bring them back? You know what I mean? Which I guess they they did. That's what the the the. That's what the injection yeah. is. But it, of course, it wasn't going to work, right? So. Well, and they knew it wasn't going to work. Right. That's part of like, the ruse. It, it was part of their plan was to have it not work. Um, but had they actually found this guy's actual real daughter, then conceptually it would have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but whether it's a deep fake or not, or or, or a, a modified video, who knows? But it certainly is interesting. And and when we talk at the end, how we can zoom out and really think through this from our our perspective. Eek! Yikes! Right. Um. So uh. So she finally watches the uh, the the butt tube and sees the video of Cardass and her backing up the story. And the Defiant zooms through space, pretending to be a Cobarian freighter on the rescue mission. Odo brings Garrick in to the bridge, who is complaining about the cramped quarters. Then, of course, they get scanned by a Cardassian ship. But luckily, they've got the zoom filter that makes Cisco look like a Cobarian. But the Cardassian says, we're going to board because we're searching for Maquis ships. Uh, continuing to reinforce that storyline, even though it's we we are reminded that the Maquis are out there and causing trouble. Garrick says, uh, "Drop the filter. I can handle this." And he gives a secret code that the uh, and orders him to turn around and erase all data. It works, even though the code I believe is only three numbers and a letter. Uh, I feel like the uh, Obsidian Order would have slightly better codes, but that's. That's a Star Trek thing. It's like the self-destruct code on the Enterprise is like Picard Alpha One. That's it. Well, it, maybe it voice recognizes, you know. Well, it does that, but you know, we know Data and many other people, and Boone. Can, oh yeah, Boone can deep fake the voice. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could have caused so much more trouble. Anyway, Cisco is impressed, and Garrick what says, "What Delta Six Two Four Three Three." Thank you. Uh, Cisco is impressed, and Garrick says, it's just something I overheard when hemming someone's trousers. Uh, Great always line. fun. We head back to Cardassia, and Entech keeps interrogating. But this time, Kira is shook. She's starting to doubt. Entech keeps pushing and threatening before Gamar finally intervenes and protects her. Kira stares into the mirror. Is it true? Does she see or fear? Or does she smash the mirror? Uh, spoiler alert, she smashes that mirror. As well she should. Gamar realizes that he needs to get her away from Cardassia. Because if she gets taken to the Obsidian Order headquarters, she'll be killed. And she asks, why? And he says, because you're my daughter. So... What did you think, like, Kira starting to doubt here is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the butt tube was convincing, Keith, as it often is. Uh, and I guess, you know, one thing that, well, I suppose I was going to say one thing that he says to her, he's, you know, is why would we be doing this, Right. And I thought yeah. that was very convincing. Why would we be doing this? If we wanted to torture you or if we wanted to just extract information about Deep Space Nine, we'd do it. 
Why do you, th- you know, like, why are we giving you this comfortable space? Why are we, why would mm-hmm. we put together this huge elaborate ruse? Which is a question that is sort of an, an analog for the audience, right? Right. Why? Uh, so, uh, it was a good question. This, I think it was at this point where I was think I was trying to machinate what we could do moving forward with plots. If she turns out she, she was, this was true. Could they double agent, double agent her? That's kind of rad actually. Um, Ooh, quad agent. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's why she's, I think they finally broke her a little bit, which is why, I, you know, it's actually the perfect ruse because it's exactly where they wanted to get Leggett. Yeah, and I I like that they put that much effort into making us believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, we can't. It's going to break the show. Well, that's but at the, the other same thing. time, I was like, I know there's so many more seasons ahead, and she's definitely not. She's not going to put this makeup on all the time. Come on. <laughs> well, Nana certainly not. She said no, no to doing that again. <laughs> so in Act Five, uh, Kira stares at the sculpture that. The, uh, the daughter made, and Gamar gives her some jewelry that belonged to her mother. Then a friend comes in to help smuggle her off Cardassia. We find out that Gamar is a Cardassian dissident working against the military government. So that's really big news, mm-hmm. and we can sort of understand. Uh, we, we get, we've gotten hints about it, you know, that he's clearly the, the liberal senator or, or whomever, who is not super military focused, but he says and we've potentially met other people who don't fully agree with the the main Cardassian. Well, we've we've met the Cardassian dissident uh, before. Remember Quark's girlfriend? Yeah, and we've also met Garrick. We don't know where he lies, but it's definitely and not down the Garrick middle. Garrick is Garrick is who the hell knows? Right. But uh, but certainly um, the uh, this is the he's a head mucky muck in the dissident movement. And he says, goodbye, I love you, to Kira. But then, Kira smells a rat. Check this not out, from, I mean, look, We get all the close-ups in the world. Yeah. But not from Gamar. She realizes that Gamar and the dissidents are the real target, and that he just revealed himself by helping her. And of course, Entek and some goons show up to gloat and monologue. They in Bond villain monologue. Mm-hmm. They can't escape. And he kills Gamar's associate. They can't escape. We get the Dutch off. angle, Keith. Got the Dutch angle. He's the he's a bad guy. We all know the lighting changes. It's more orange. So uh he monologues about crushing the dissident movement and says the Obsidian Order is <laughs> look Cardassia. at his head swimming in that suit. Yeah, that whole that like rubber suit, right? It doesn't fold. It's just <laughs> one, it's one piece. Well, it's it's supposed to be armor, right? So it does sort of make sense. It's not it's not like a sweater or the jammies from uh, from the Defiant. Then surprise, Garrick and Cisco enter with Odo as a bag. And take their weapons. So they they toss Odo as a bag. Like, pay no attention to me throwing a backpack behind you while we're in the standoff. Um, I, I they so frequently make him a bag. Wouldn't it make more sense to like he was like a like a ball or something you could roll or throw? Or it's I don't know. I don't know why Odo is like I do bags best. So I want all of my things to be bags. That's not my bag, baby. Yeah, apparently. So uh, 
they take their weapons and the rescue is on. Entik recognizes Garrick right away and asks why he's helping Gamar. He's a traitor. And Garrick says treason, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. Entek says, until now, the Order had been willing to allow Garrick to remain in exile. Then Entek pulls a phaser, and Garrick kills him instantly. This is like his second or third murder we've witnessed. Great screenshot! Oh, that's great. Do not F with Garrick, because he will flat out murder you. Just happily, easily, no problem. Um, so there's a wormhole here I'll talk about later. But uh, cool, We now we understand what's going on. The reason for that huge elaborate subterfuge was to entrap uh, Gamar and not Kira. Cool. I mean, like, such a, such a smart way for the Obsidian Order to do this. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Genius. So convenient, as always. I won't wormhole it. It's just the convenience of TV. But, oh, man, those rescues always happen right when the MacGuffin is discovered. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, spoiler alert for my wormhole. How did we find them? How do we know where they were? I mean, clearly Garrick has like some sort of ham radio that just has every bit of information ever. Well, you know what? That's true. He says, how did he, I think he does say, how did you find us? And Garrick is like, I still have some friends. So you know what? Wormhole closed. I take it all back. All right, but how this Garrick. wormhole? Can we, I mean, can anything be difficult? The, the medical thing, like, this was clearly incredible skin grafting, laser surgery, and we just, it took 11 minutes to just pop her back to normal? Well, but that is something we have seen many times. I know, but it bothers me. Because but sometimes you, you, people die and then we can't beam them, or there are things we can't do. The limitations are not clear. Well, the limitations of the plastic surgery, like, the plastic surgery is an easy thing to do now. So, I mean, because it's just aesthetic, right? So you're just adding stuff on your... It means the same as the makeup, right? Oh, but this is my other wormhole. Yeah, okay. Oh, actually, it wouldn't matter. I was going to say, clearly, but uh, Julian was able to... She says it right here, that he was able to confirm that she is 100% Bajoran, right? He did the 23andMe test. But clearly, that would have been in her records already, right? When you join Starfleet or whatnot, they must do a biometric scan and know your all your bibs and bops. So they would have known she's not. But then I was like, oh, that she wouldn't clearly. She would want to have that confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and yeah, but I but I think you know their their ability to do the plastic surgery stuff. I mean, what are they doing? It's just a a slightly better version of makeup, which. Even on the show, took five hours. I don't know. You though. think with like their when tech, went, they couldn't? I don't know. We don't know anything about their plumbing, man. Their plumbing could be different. Things could be different. Well, but you're not changing the plumbing. All you're doing is changing the outside. Yeah, but Kira, for days when she was, they were trying to convince her she was Cardassian. When she took a shower or she did whatever, she, what else was different? Well, I mean, she can't see inside herself. How thorough I'm, is that? Is that I'm laser assuming bot? that Cardassians and Bajorans poop from roughly the same place. So... I That's a big assumption. That is a, that is a huge assumption. Well, there. Well, actually, this is covered on an episode of Next Gen. Why are humanoid species also similar? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna dive. I'm gonna be diving into JD's uh, encyclopedia. Spoiler alert. Which for people? No, wait. You will have seen it this past weekend. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, there better be something in there about butt anatomy because I, I need to know. Now I need to well, know. Well, but but there but there you know I, I don't think we're gonna watch it on the Patreon. But there's an incredibly important episode of Next Gen where we find out that all the humanoid species that we see that all look roughly the same and have roughly the same shape uh, was not just a budgetary restriction for the show, but in canon uh, we all share distant ancestors, distant ancestry of a humanoid species put their DNA out all throughout the galaxy, which is why we all have the same basic bits and bobs. All right, I'll allow it. So so there you go. Wormhole closed. So (laughs) um, back on Deep Space Nine, regular Kira and Gamar walk through the halls, talking through the whole plan. He believes that his daughter is still alive, and one day he'll find her. Who let this extra walk directly in front of the frame? Well, just for like two frames, that's that's the screenshot artist, not the background artist. See, the three shots could be perfect, but then she's just in there. You, you pressed the button at the wrong time. No. She's in frame for a lot. It's 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 weird because there's no other extras. It's just she walks cross frame. It's weird. Well, we, the station's not abandoned, Mike. Other people get to live there. <laughs> um, so uh, Kira offers Gamara a chance to stay on the station. But he says, I found another planet to hide out on. Um, although, frankly, from the standpoint of the Cardassian underground or the, the resistance, like it'd be way better if you were on Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. They, in fact, they explain why earlier for uh, yeah. somebody else. Well, it's a it's a great place to to hide out on because you're protected. Oh, yeah, well, Sis- Cisco's saying that to Garak. To Garak, right. He's threatening him, yeah. Um. Anyway, he finishes with some fatherly advice about Garrick. And that is, and he lays this on real thick, don't trust Garrick. Don't ever trust Garrick. Uh, That was strongly placed. And as he leaves, Kira tries to give the jewelry back. But Gamar says, I want you to have it. You may not be my daughter, but until I find her, you're the closest thing I have to family. And you think Nana's done acting? Yeah. But she's not. Hmm? Kira realizes he's an honorable man and says, your daughter must have loved you very much. Great performance from Nana. I wrote down the same thing. Gamar walks through the airlock and leaves. And Kira stares at the jewelry... And that is the end of Second Skin, but not the end of our episode, because oh, no. we got a little quiz, and then we're going to hand out and some And now stembles. it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz. What did you have to curse for? You cursed out Star? <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> okay, great. Mike, what is a hollow filter? Oh, Keith, that's, cl- that's easy. That's like when you got an all-staff meeting... And you want to be looking over there, but you turn on the uh, NVIDIA eyeball thing so that it looks like you're staring at the camera. No, it uh, it changes your visage on screen so that you can fool some dum-dums. Uh, indeed. And what is a Cobarian? Oh, it comes on at 1130 every night on CBS. Close enough. Let's move along home. <laughs>
Okay, here we are, attention Bajoran workers. It is time to wrap it up with wormholes in the plot. Yeah, I mean, just little things. A lot of a lot of plot contrivances and and good timing. I guess it's everything happens bang bang bang, but it has to happen that way. Um, I really the only thing, and I think we can explain away it is. I understand the ruse. I think the ruse is really well plotted. I think it's actually the best part of the whole episode of the concept of the ruse is really cool and why they would do it and why they would go to such lengths. The question I have is, why were there times when he was torturing Kira or interrogating Kira without Leggett present? Because that seems to be a waste of time because the whole thing is for for him to witness what's happening to Kira. He's clearly not going to get any information out of her in the interrogations. So why go through those motions to convince her? Because this whole thing lives and dies on Kira's emotional state. So he has to follow through all of those things because he's that Gamar's not going to buy it based on what he does. He's going to buy it based on how she's feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. So he has to keep ratcheting up. She needs to believe this thing more than he needs to believe it in order to motivate him rescuing her. So I think, um, you know, and you know, if she gives up some information, great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has to sort of take her through that step. And, 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 and Gamar doesn't need to be there for that whole time while they're explaining what the deal is or whatever. Um, that's for Kira's understanding of it. Okay. So, yeah, I'm yeah, for me. I, I think I think me too. I think we opened up some holes, but I think we closed them. I th- I think actually it holds together pretty well, uh, all all together. Um, you know, and and I think about why did they choose Kira, right? One of the reasons you know they chose Kira for a couple of reasons. One of them is that she looked like this guy's daughter, so obviously that's very convenient. But I think Kira specifically is very is is even more useful here because of her personality. Mm-hmm. knowing she'll never surrender. She'll never give up. She's the last person to think, oh, okay, maybe this is true, right? Okay, fine, let's let's make this work. Because it, if if whoever they abducted and, and did this believed it right. and gave in, the whole thing's off, right? So it so they needed somebody they were they knew for sure would never ever uh, stop trying to escape. So yeah, anyway, I like it. I like that. Mike, what was your best moment? Um, I actually think that Garrick scene where they where Cisco and them threat. Wow, man, this is tough because everything Nana does in this is great. I think the the scene with her and the dad at the end is really powerful. I think the scene, every scene he's in, I actually think he's the unsung hero of the episode. That the 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 actor playing the the dad, Leggett. Oh yeah, playing playing Gamar. Yeah, it's uh, Lawrence Pressman so good and so so profound in his commitment to his daughter uh so everything but i but i really love the, for the show i love that garrick scene um and actually everything garrick because this episode really plants plants some good plot breadcrumbs for him moving forward because now you know after the whole like his memory dopamine thing episode he was definitely more up a creek without a paddle with with the Cardassians, but now for now to think that he might be like 
want on the top ten wanted list actually adds a lot of like yeah I mean, he he actively stuff. killed yeah a big member of the Obsidian Order so yeah. I, I and. I, but I like the fact that because it, it's clear that he's sort of OP if he was like a character in D&D or on a video game. He's a little overpowered. Like he always is one step ahead. He always comes out on top. He always has all the information. He's always, he's always got the leverage. It was really cool to see Ben flip the script and be able to have the leverage on him. And uh, so I'm going to I'm going to pick that scene. Well, and it's interesting, though, because Garrick is overpowered with information but also utterly neutered by his situation. Yeah. He can't do anything. He's trapped on the station pretending to be a tailor. So, like, he knows everything, but he can't do anything. So he's... Well, that's a whole different conversation, but, like, it seems to me like his undercoveredness is blown by now, right? Like, we know that what his past was. They know that we know that we know. Like, why is he still doing the tailor thing? Maybe he enjoys it? I think partly he enjoys it, and partly if he keeps up the ruse, they have to keep up the ruse, even though I think I know what you think I think I'm thinking, mm. right? We all have to do this dance right, yeah. and maintain this. Because he's got to have something to do. Like, what else? What he's got to have something to do, and I, I think he enjoys it. But, but also, I think, you know, if you give yourself deniability, even if everybody knows you're lying, it's, 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 like, a, it's like every deposition that's happening right now. Uh, Mike, Mike, ask me a deposition question. Keith, I don't have a good one. I, this, and I'm trying to yes and you. Uh, Keith, uh, are you? Were you aware that? Uh, w- do you have any plans for this weekend? Gosh, you know, I, I don't remember. I can't say for sure. Uh, Got gotcha. you. What the plans are? So, like, you know, I know, and I know, I know, but legally. Mm-hmm. I don't remember is the most powerful tool in legal history. Uh, so I think that's part of what's happening there. So my best moment is the final scene, the the father-daughter surrogate scene at the end there. I think uh, Nana does an amazing job, as does Lawrence Pressman. I really love that element, right? The The true compassion and love for each other in this sort of crazy scheme is what elevates it. You know, I, I talk a, a lot about seasoning and storytelling where like the dominion war is the salt. This is a little bit of sweetness that you bring in that completes the dish. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it, it shows a lot about Kira too, because Kira in all of the situation has all the reason to be just volcanically angry. And she already is but is able to have compassion for this man. And, and like it's to have to truly integrate. Not all Cardassians are the same, right? Yeah. They're, they're not all these thoughtless beasts and to have compassion for this man who was just a pawn in this plot. And yet his actual daughter infiltrated her resistance movement. Right. And it's like, and so it's, it's nice. I like their relationship very much. And, and Nana does a great job of giving it in that scene without giving too much. So that is my favorite moment. It is now time to hand out some stem bolts. Oh, 
Okay. My, give us some symbols. Well, as I said, this episode is pretty solid. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I think you get a tour de force from Nana as as usual. I think that the big bad was a pretty was a pretty good. It wasn't scene chewy. He wasn't over the top. He was just doing what he was doing. But it was still a pretty effective episode. I thought the 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 ruse was excellent. I think it yeah. made sense. I think it was well executed. I think the fact that they they did it on so many different levels, they doctored the records, they brought it in, they clearly were able to to fool someone in in high command or central command. Uh it was I thought pretty good. The the weaknesses go in, you know, for me it's more and also I thought the the rescue mission was pretty interesting using Garrick uh I maybe could have used a little more of that and and sort of their figuring it out as you mentioned uh, but you you have to sacrifices must be made right <laughs> we have 45 minutes to work with and when you have such great stuff happening with Kieran i think it was important for them to take longer a new ranking came in keith i don't know if you saw the email oh before okay. we get there um oh yeah we didn't you... we didn't talk about it. well i'll you know what i'm going to do the the rankings for equilibrium next week okay Cool. Because I, I I realized I forgot, and we might as well just wait for them to come in. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I really liked it, and I thought it was emotionally charged. I thought it was interesting. I think they 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 set up some some possible interesting storylines for later. I don't know that I was jumping out of my seat for it. I don't know that I ever really felt any. I mean, the stakes were there, but I don't know that I ever felt any real peril for Akira. Hmm. Just because, just because, 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 because. But ultimately, I really enjoyed it. A uh, huge step up from last week, in my opinion. Yeah. But ultimately, there's, there's, with the exception of the Garrick stuff, there's nothing uh, that, you know, it's it's sort of like the, the laser surgery they do with Kira at the end. Oh, nothing happened. It, it's all better now, right? There's no sort of lasting, and we killed the bad guy, so... They're, he's gone. Um, so there's never a lasting threat other than they're pissed, probably pissed at Garrick now. Well, I um, mean, I think I think the threat is Garrick for sure. <laughs> yes, and 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 the warning that that Leggett left. Yeah, he was. They called him Leggett a bunch of times, right? I'm not saying that. Yeah, in yeah. Era, okay? No, you're right. Um, that is sort of the lasting threat. Like he really made a point there. There's no reason for him to lie. Clearly, he has some information right. too. So I thought that was pretty cool. Ultimately, I really liked it. I'm going to say uh, 87.5 self-sealing stem bolts. Yeah, I, I I think all of that is right. I think um Oops. I think it's a, I think it's a, a very good episode. It's not a great episode, but I think it's I think it's a very good episode. I think it's um I think it's, it's satisfying. It's tight. It makes sense. I really like the ruse. Um, I think it's it elevates the intelligence of. The intelligence of the Obsidian Order, right? That that it's it's this huge elaborate thing, but it's pretty well thought out, pretty well executed. Um, it accomplished exactly what they were wanted wanted to accomplish. Like, oh, so he got away, right? And um, the the Obsidian Order guy got killed. However, what did the Obsidian Order want to do? Take this guy out, and now he's out, right? You know, you you took out the. Yeah, that's a good point. Whatever, whatever the. 
you know, the the legate is is a step above the goal. So I, are they senators? There's no president really. So like, I guess, but he's at the top of the food chain and he was an adversary. You know, there was somebody died, but they don't care. They accomplished their goal, mm-hmm. which is cool, which is and definitely adds. Yes, Mike. As a writer, what do you think mm-hmm. would have happened? What do you think their plan was had Ben and them not showed up, right? Once they have him discovered, Kira is no longer necessary in the plot, but it's right. probably not in their best interest to kill her because then that opens up a whole... Oh, They could well, have disappeared her, I guess. Yeah, they disappear, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I think what they do with Gamar, right, is they do a huge public spectacle trial. You know, they interrogate him. They find his co-collaborators, or this, that, the other thing, but they make a huge spectacle out of trying and executing him um they probably disappear kira because at at that point they don't know that our heroes know what Mm -hmm. happened to kira um i think the plan all along was just to make her go away um and then fake a shuttle accident or something like that i think i think that's what it was uh so um uh where was i oh yeah so i just the obsidian order becomes even more interesting to me as a result of this episode, um, their capabilities are remarkable and um, scary, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I really like the heart element of it. I, I mentioned that before. Um, I like hitting the mystery of Garrick a little hard, again, because like every every time we're like, oh, we can trust him, he's a good guy, something comes in and says, are you sure? Right. Because... Um, I mean, he flat out murdered another guy, you know, justifiably. If I were writing that scene, it has at the end there, there's a bit of the Han Solo there where he pulls up, he tries to shoot first. I think it would have been better had he not that 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 uh, what's his name? Entek had not pulled a phaser and Garrick had just shot him. I think that would have been much more interesting and then, and then said, "Oh, he was reaching or something," because mm-hmm. um, it would have been a little bit more badass. But I think the point is made um, with what Gamar says to um, says to Kira. There, I think um, on on the faults, I think um, the the beat with Garrick, where he bullies off the uh, investigating Cardassian ship. Uh, it's interesting, it's cool, he's got the codes or whatever, but it's a repeated beat, because we did that with Dukat once already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dukat did the exact same thing. I'm Gold Dukat, here's this code, we're priority alpha, whatever. He's like, oh, sorry, sir, and went away. So, and by repeating it, you make it less their bad acidry and, and more the, I guess these peons don't have any backbone? Well, they. I mean, they wouldn't in a fascist military government, right? Where everybody is like, you know, an, an eyebrow away from being executed. Yeah, but I, I just, I just think like, since we've already done that, I would have liked to have had Garrick do that in a different way. Um, just like another pot of coffee in the writers' room, come up with an with a slightly more different way to accomplish that. But that's really nitpicking. Um, yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a good episode. It's one that I definitely, you know, don't skip on the mm-hmm. rewatches. Um, I think it does set up important things later and stakes later um stuff that i'd like to see followed up on and so uh i'm gonna give it 86 
self, ceiling, stem. Uh, yeah, like if bolts. this is average, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, cool. this is like, yeah, it's a pretty good. It also yeah, just, good. like we keep saying it, we're beating a dead horse, but it just looks, there's a substantial uptick in, I think, the, even the like design elements into season three. It really looks yeah. awesome. Well, I, and I I think because the set is so big, mm-hmm. and so and it, as the series goes on, they're able to fill in more of it, and so the you, you start to see fewer of the seams, and you the start. The only to time really... it looks super hokey still is when they go to that one, like, rocky outcove thing they got. Uh, the cave set yeah. always, always, always. It has been the bane of the existence of the Star Trek and the Star Trek actors. Mm-hmm. Because that set doesn't have much air conditioning or or heating, so it's either too cold or too hot. There's like feral cats running through it. It's craziness. Uh, it's, it's always been that way. Oh, we so have to take a look we, at... We have to hear from the Chancellor. Yes. Well, my bad. Here we go. From the dead, the dead of Chancellor, of Chancellor Jen. Jen. Oh, you know what that means? Real honey. good. Better than last week. The episode was awesome. I was on the edge of my seat. Is Kira Cardassian? Is she really Bajoran? But the best scene was her figuring it out and then the team coming in, rescuing her. Adventure ending was awesome. A lot of great Garrick one-liners. I'm going to go 93. 93. Hold on, let me run that back. First of all, folks, just What's to, happening over to there? pull something. Look at the schlubs, how we're dressed, right? For our She's show. Like- She's like dressed like Jackie O. Better than last week. The episode was awesome. I was on the edge of my seat. Is Kira Cardassian? Is she really born? What a disgrace. I I mean, of course. And she's she's so much nicer and happier than we will ever be in our entire lives. Uh, Yeah, so uh, there you go. We want to know your rating. We want to know what did you think of Second Skin? Drop your self-sealing stem bolts in the comments below. While you're at it, double check. Make sure you have subscribed and hit the notifications bell. Give it a like. Do all of that. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash for bonus content or just leave a tip on the super thanks whatever whatever. Uh, we will very much appreciate that. Check out our other shows. Look at my Star Trek toys and K&M Geekly, if you're listening to the audio-only version of this, leave a rating and review on whatever your podcasting service is. And barring all of that, tell a friend, tell another Deep Space Nine uh, folks. If you if you can drop a link on your social media, that would be really helpful to us to continue growing our audience as we continue our journey on Deep Space Nine. We will see you back next week with the episode "The Abandoned." Very interesting. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Well, you know what that means, Real good. Better than last week. The episode was awesome. I was on the Thank you for watching K&M Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash K&M.